Grand Risings to you. Good morning. I guess I really shouldn't say good morning, but Grand Risings to everyone out there. This is Back to the Basics. This is Season 3, Episode 1. So, yep, I said Season 3 was coming. It is now here. So, Season 3, Episode 1. We're going to be talking about the PACE plan. So I'm going to pull up this article. And I'm going to read it to you. This is coming from an article from SOAR Rescue. So capital S-O-A-R, then lowercase E-S-C-U-E. It was published on February 1st, 2017. And I do have a link here. I'll I'll make it available so everyone can research this on their own. But this article is a four minute read. Yes, it's a little dated, it's three years old, but I'm gonna read through it anyway because it's important. SOAR is one of those elements of the army that falls under the uh, Special Operations Force. So it falls under SOF, which is capital S-O-F. There's a lot of acronyms. So here we go. What exactly is the PACE methodology And how does it apply to tactical medicine? So PACE is an acronym that stands for Primary, Alternate, Contingent, and Emergent or Emergency. This forms the basis for how we can solve problems we are faced with. The the idea is that there are four routes we can take depending on how the problem presents itself or in the event plan A fails, plan B fails, etc., etc. Pace methodology can be paired with the five P's. Prior planning prevents poor performance. I'm going to say that one again. Prior planning prevents poor performance. Murphy's Law and two is one and one is none. For those who are currently serving or who have served, y'all already know what that means. So in this article, it, uh, it gives the example of hemorrhage control as an example for using the PACE plan, primary alternate con- contingency and emergent. So the primary plan in the case of hemorrhage control or if someone is bleeding. uh, So it says, so when faced with life-threatening extremity hemorrhage, our primary method of hemorrhage control is a commercially made military approved tourniquet or the CAT tourniquet, which I do believe the CAT tourniquets became available around 2007-ish, 2008. The research behind, and I think, yeah, right now we're on generation seven on the cat tourniquet. Gen six still works, so hey, 
It's all good. If you got a Gen 6 or 7 cat tourniquet, you're good. Um, the research behind these tourniquets tells us that this is going to be the most successful long-term solution to get from the point of injury to the surgeon. I'm not going to get into um, ooh, combat, like CLS, combat lifesaver course. Um, or TCCC, but I will reference tactical combat casualty care because the thing about TCCC or TC3, should I say, is that that can be used also in the civilian world. So the primary method for us for the hemorrhage control would be a military approved tourniquet, the CAT Gen 7 or 6. In airway management, the NPA or the or the nasopharyngeal airway would be the primary go-to option when faced with a task. And of course here, this last statement before I move to alternate, my primary option is not always foolproof though. Well, of course, that's why we have that's why we're getting ready to go into the alternate plan. And also, depending upon whatever situation a person may find themselves in, this is where you have to think. This is where critical thinking and being able to execute good judgment like on the fly, that's where all that comes into play. Really, the definitive airway, I see in this article, it says that the the crike, the surgical crike, like it's, it says is the most definitive solution at the time, of course, of pre-hospital care. But the chest, uh, a, a chest tube would be like the most definitive airway. And again, that would require whoever the casualty or the patient is to get to a surgeon as soon as possible. Going to the alternate plan. So what do we do if there's an issue with the tourniquet? Okay, so this is where, again, critical thinking comes into play. As far as a tourniquet, you're not going to want to use somebody's shoestrings or their bootlaces. It has to be at least two inches uh, thick. So if you have a, like, a belt that's like around two inches, that's something that you may use it could be yeah material that again that could be tightened it could you could also I don't have the slides here where you can make a improvised tourniquet may have to use maybe a part of clothing depending upon what environment you're in to, to that will that can be used as a substitute for the windless clip and do what you got to do so you may have to do an improvised tourniquet. Um, as long as it controls the bleeding. And how do you know if the bleeding is controlled? If you check for a distal pulse and if you don't feel it. And of course, if someone's missing a extremity, then they're not going to have that part for, for that to check. <sighs> Okay, moving on to the article.
The first dilemma we may come across is number of patients slash injuries is greater than the number of tourniquets carried. And of course, that would be considered a mass cow, mass casualty situation. Um, an alternate, an alternative solution, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm skipping a few words here. Maybe wound packing with a hemostatic dressing. That would be if someone has an injury that is um, that can't be where a tourniquet can't be applied, like the um, the groin area under the armpit, um, the neck area. This is where, again, if you had some ACE wrap and a hemostatic dressing, which would be what we have, combat gauze, pack that whole pressure for three minutes and then wrap it with ACE wrap. And of course, in a mass cow situation, you definitely want to control hemorrhage. Don't even think about airway. Just... Yeah, go around and just apply tourniquets, depending upon whatever situation a person is in. Skipping down a little bit, it may be necessary to utilize the alternate option in conjunction with the primary option, but the primary option is applied first. So if I run up on a casualty, if Sergeant Respiris runs up on a casualty as a medic, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna let security move forward, and then they're gonna communicate to me. Hey, they're going to signal for me to move up once fire superiority has been achieved. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to hurry up. If I see blood, I'm going to apply, rapidly apply a CAT 7 or CAT 6 tourniquet. And then I'm going to get this person off of the point of injury, back behind cover, not concealment, something that, of course, will be effective against bullets and other things, shrapnel, whatever type of craziness that may be going on. Oh, Lord have mercy. And I'm going to, of course, since I moved the casualty, I'm going to, of course, have to check that tourniquet again, and then I'm going to continue to assess. But in a mass cow, yeah, I'm going to assess for bleeding. Anytime I move the casualty or the patient, I'm going to assess for bleeding. I'm going to assess for the distal pulse to see if the tourniquet is actually effective in doing what it's supposed to do. But in that situation, what I was getting to is now that I'm not in care under fire, then upon further examination, if I find where, okay, I've already applied a tourniquet, I may, depending upon how bad the hemorrhage is, I may convert to a pressure dressing. So, but that doesn't mean I'm going to remove the tourniquet. It all depends. This is where critical thinking comes into play, but we're moving. Going to the contingency plan. With hemorrhage control, this may be using a pressure bandage to stop hemorrhage, as I was just saying. It's a good method, definitely not as successful as the tourniquet, as the cat tourniquet. Um, of course, if I'm triaging patients and apply tourniquets to the worst hemorrhages, of course, wound packing the set of next severe, and now I'm working on bandaging wounds, this is an acceptable option. 
the main thing here in a mass cow is you want to maximize your supplies. So as a medic, I should be using the casualty supplies and not out of my aid bag and not out of my, um, my IFAC, which is my improvised first aid kit. And that is something we carry on our uh, body armor. Moving down into the emergency plan. This is the last dis ditch option. This is when, when stuff hits the fan. This is really bad. So here's an example. If I visually identify a patient or casualty that has a massive extremity hemorrhage as I approach, I may drop a knee down on a pressure point in the groin or the axilla, which will be the armpit area, while I utilize my hands to pull a tourniquet out and apply it. It's a stopgap measure in the sense that it buys me a few more seconds to put the tourniquet on. But if I'm out of tourniquets, hemostatics and bandages. See, this is where, again, the planning comes into play and taking inventory of your equipment and all those other things. And of course, dropping down, I may improvise bandages from cut clothing, of course. And then now I'm at the end of the article. I'm not going to read all the article to insult anybody's intelligence. But here's here, the thing is, in the end, the pace methodology is probably utilized in medicine more often than we realize. But the thing about pace is you can use it with anything. You can, you, you can use it with a business plan, with um, communications, or anything else. Um, having a plan A and plan B is nice, but you need to have a contingency plan. And then of course a plan where just when everything just pretty much goes down the drain, this is season three, episode one, the pace plan. Um, the pace plan is just one of the things that we should be looking at as a people there are a few areas that we should be looking at. Prepping is another area we should be looking at. It's not just, you know, storing food, you know, grabbing ammunition, guns. Because um, again, this is where critical thinking comes into play. A person, you know, could come along and have a bigger gun and then there goes the supplies and all that. Prepping as far as the bug out bag, as many uh, other YouTube channels and other people have gone into great detail about. Another area, foraging. Foraging is, you know, identifying edible and non-edible plants and insects. So when stuff gets really bad, and people may or may not be able to return home and grab anything. This is like this is like survival mode right here. So prepping is just it's a good starting point. Foraging is where okay, you're out there. A person is out there and they are pretty much surviving in the elements. The next thing 
water survival, like where to find water, how to purify and procure the water so that, you know, you don't want to drink contaminated water. We all need water to survive. Field sanitation. Again, with this pandemic, again, this is one of those things I haven't heard much about. I haven't heard much about field sanitation. And if you're out there surviving, you know, there's an old saying, you don't eat where you take a dump. You don't do that. Field sanitation should definitely, you can't get past it. Got to do field sanitation. And one of the last things I put on here was emergency first aid. So forget about, you know, well, don't forget about your medications. Okay. Forgive me for saying that, but you need, uh, this is where what can be used. This is where the bug out bag and all that prepping comes into play. What can be used as far as field medicine out in the field, pre-hospital care. This is pretty much, this is what I do believe what it may come to. And I hate to have to say that because I like to be on a positive note. You know, I really do. I like to keep it positive over here. But the PACE plan, the primary alternate contingency um, emergency plan, that's something that should be definitely not just considered, but executed. This is something that has to be done. So let me see, I'm trying to see, because I'm not trying to be before you long, but I pray that all is well and that you are doing okay. Everybody out there who is listening, I'm coming to you as a sister. I'm coming to you as Sergeant Respirus, as a medic. Sergeant Respirus and Back to the Basics is pretty much the same person. Really not too much of a difference. And I would like to say that none of my statements are endorsed by the United States Army. None of my statements are endorsed by the, Depart by the Department of Defense. None of my statements are endorsed by any of the branches of the military service. Just for the ones that who are listening and watching. <laughs> I see you. And I'm coming with you like this because at the same time, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be a fear monger or anything like that. But this is just one of those things that has to be executed. It's time to execute the PACE plan, people. It's time to execute the PACE plan. I love you. Be safe out there. And please wear PPE 
I'm getting a lot of notifications right now. <laughs> wear your mask, wear your gloves, wash your hands. Do what you need to do. And of course, I will end on this note. Whatever you do, practice self-care, practice self-care, practice self-care. And with that, I'll say that season three is going to not look like season two. Season two will continue. But season three is going to be more serious. Peace, love, and light to all you beautiful people out there. May the Most High continue to extend his grace to you. I love you as a sister. I'm gone.